You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Church, this past week I came across an old Indian proverb that says, nothing grows under a banyan tree. You see, the banyan is a magnificent tree. There it is. Actually, uh, down in Florida, you can see, you find these uh, in different places in Florida. There's actually one down in the Keys uh, that we had seen before. Uh, but a banyan tree grows by distributing its branches, dropping roots from the air, uh, developing secondary trunks, and draping a wide area of landscape. In fact, so large and so influential are banyan trees that they can literally cover an acre of land providing birds and animals and humans shelter under its shade. Of course, the problem with banyan trees is that nothing else can grow under their dense foliage. And once the banyan tree dies, the ground beneath it lies barren and scorched. The banana tree, on the other hand, is quite the opposite. Six months after it sprouts, small shoots appear around it. And at 12 months, a second circle of shoots appear beside the first ones, which are now six months old. And at 18 months, the main trunk bears bananas, which nourish birds, animals, humans, and then it dies. However, the first offspring are now fully grown, and within six months, they too bear fruit and die. But this cycle, this productive cycle, continues on and on, giving birth to more sprouts, bearing fruit, dying, and so forth. Well, church, some leaders are like banyan trees when they should be like banana trees. You see, they have great influences, and their ministries are widely productive and beneficial. However, their influence doesn't allow for other leaders to grow under them. And as a result, when they die, there is little to no emergence of new leaders to carry on the regime. Well, in some ways, this is where we're going to find Moses this morning. You see, Moses stood resilient before Pharaoh. He led the crossing of the Red Sea. He remained steadfast in their pilgrimage in the wilderness. He was faithful in prayer when the Israelites fought in battle. Needless to say, Moses was quickly becoming a very influential and formidable leader over God's people. However, unbeknownst to him, his great influence and leadership ability was actually preventing God's people from growing in their own gifts, talents, and leadership abilities to advance God's agenda. And if left unchecked, it would only be a matter of time before the burden of go-it-alone leadership would cause Moses to burn out as well. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. As we continue our study in the life of Moses, we're going to find Moses toiling over his leadership over the Israelites and needing someone to lift him up before it was too late. And it's through our study we're going to be reminded of this important truth to remember, and it's this. God gave us one another to help one another. Seems simple enough, but we got to remember this truth as we move forward this morning. So let's just pray before we hop into God's word one last time. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to open up your word this morning. Lord, as we sang earlier, you are a holy God, and only a holy God can do what you've done for us. And God, as we enter into your word, it's been given to us for for instruction, for training. 
And God, I pray that this morning we would all leave here closer to Jesus than when we arrived, that we would uh, be more equipped than when we came. And God, I just want to commit this time to you and pray that your spirit would speak through me. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so Exodus chapter 18. So today's passage picks up uh, with the Israelites coming off a fresh victory in battle with the people of Amalek. In fact, Moses had just built an altar with the inscription, the Lord is my banner, as a reminder to the Israelites to always pledge their allegiance to God and trust in him to give the victory. Well, as they progressed in their journey to the promised land, they passed by uh, the home or near the home of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who, as we'll soon see, would play a significant role in personally ministering to Moses and helping him become a better leader in the process. And so found within today's passage, we're going to do the entire uh, chapter 18 this morning. So we're we're going to be busy, but we're going to get through it together. So found within today's passage are five principles for leaders and lay people alike. Principles that, if applied, if we realize them and we apply them, are going to go a long way in helping us navigate through the challenges of life. Are you with me? All right, so let's begin by looking at the first principle, and it's this. We all need companionship. We all need companionship. Let's look at verses 1 through 3, and we'll we'll talk about it. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. Let's stop there. So church, in 1962, Bobby Vinton wrote a song, Mr. Lonely. You guys know that song, Mr. Lonely? Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. You guys are singing this song in church. Da-da-da-da. It's amazing what you could accomplish from the front. Anyway, uh, but he says, lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. I have nobody for my own. Now I am lonely, so Mr. Lonely, wish I had someone to call on the phone, and so on and so forth. Well, implicitly, this is the state in which we find Moses. In his book, The Life of Moses, James Boyce notes, he said, when Moses left Egypt, he was in charge of two million people. It's easy to be lonely in a crowd. Moses was lonely here. Nobody understood him. Nobody appreciated what he was doing. And the people rebelled again and again. Yet he had to carry on, and he did. He carried on for a very long time. You see, leadership can often be a very lonely, thankless position. But what made Moses' position especially unique was that he didn't even have the consolation of his wife and two sons. Evidently, we're told in this text, evidently before meeting with Pharaoh, Moses sent his family to be with Jethro, probably as a means of protection when all all, all went down with Pharaoh. And so for almost a year and a half, whenever Moses experienced hard days in ministry, he had no one to bear the burden with him. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, church, going all the way back to God's original created order, we see the importance of companionship. Now, granted, this verse is talking about marriage. However, whether it be marriage or even a close friendship, the principle is that it's not good for us to go it alone. As the classic song says, we all need somebody to lean on. Here we go, singing singing all these songs in church. 
Well, the good news was that Moses was about to have somebody to lean on. Because word of what God had done for he and the Israelites had reached all the way uh, to Jethro's house, prompting Jethro to set out to find Moses, check on his welfare, and reunite him with his family. And this leads us to the second principle. We all need care. We need companionship, and we need care. Look at verses 5 through 7. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Church, there was a study conducted by Barna Group between January 2021 and March 2022. And it showed that, quote, driven to despair by stress, loneliness, political divisions, and other worries like their church being in decline, 42% of pastors considered quitting full-time ministry in the last year. 42%. And of that number, 43% of pastors admitted to feeling lonely and isolated. Now, I don't share this with you to receive any empathy. I share this with you as an illustration of how vital it is for every single one of us, whether you're a leader or a layperson, to have someone in your life who checks in. Someone who lifts your head, someone who grounds you in truth, someone who keeps you accountable. I love that shortly after their initial greeting, Jethro and Moses says in verse 7, they spent time asking about each other's welfare. In other words, they genuinely cared for each other. Now, if you're like me, you might notice, well, how come he didn't run to his wife and two sons first? Must have been a custom back in the day. Nevertheless, he had that companionship. Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You see, good friends, they work to rub off the dull edges and make each other better. And although scripture doesn't give us any details of their conversation, undoubtedly, both Moses and Jethro were better off as a result of just listening and caring for one another's well-being. Must have been a breath of fresh air for Moses. Last month, my brother-in-law posted something on Facebook. He gave me permission to share. He wrote this. He just made a post. He said this. He said, I remember as a youth pastor, parents would tell me that they felt like their teens stopped listening to them and they didn't feel like they could connect anymore. They lost their voice or influence. However, their teen would tell me that they felt like their parents weren't listening to them or didn't care. Now, now I'm on the other side of things, having three teenagers and a 20-something, and I've been tempted to pull back when I feel as though my kids are not listening or their body language, eyes, face, shoulder shrug, and tone says, I don't care or whatever, Dad. And then he said this, he says, I have to remember the same thing I used to tell parents as a youth pastor many years ago. Despite the body language, your teenager has an invisible sign on their forehead silently shouting, listen to me, talk to me, care. Church, it doesn't matter your age or position. Loneliness is everywhere. There are countless people who feel cut off and alienated from others. 
And most of them, they're just not going to broadcast it. It's not how it works. It might be silently broadcasted on their heads, but you're never going to see it. Especially in NEPA. We don't want to talk to anybody about anything. We stiff arm everybody. Proverbs 18.24 says, There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. As believers, we all need someone in our life who genuinely listens talks and cares. In fact, not only do we need these types of friends in our lives, but listen, church, we need to be these types of friends in the lives of others. We need to be these people. And for good reason. Hebrews 3.13 commands us, it says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Why? Why? Read the next line. <laughs> Why? You guys are like making up answers. I'm like, it's right there. <sighs> so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Church, we got to encourage one another because it's easy for us to get hardened. It's easy for us to get hardened. This brings us to the third principle. We all need conviction. We all need conviction. Let's look at verses 8 through 9. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. Don't miss that. Moses, he told his father all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way. And listen, he told him how the Lord had delivered them. And then Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. A story is told of a son who just did not want to go to church. He didn't feel like it. It was a Sunday morning and the son was deeply asleep and snoring loudly when he was interrupted by his mother. She turned on the lights, opened the window and started shouting, son, wake up, you're going to be late for church. The son hemmed and hawed and grumbled and complained and said, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't like those people and those people don't like me. And his mother replied, it doesn't matter how you feel, you need to go to church today. And the son shot back, why? To which his mother responded, because you're the pastor. I'm not going to say whether, that, whether or not that's ever happened in my home or not. But see, church, we live in this feelings-driven culture. Feelings. Feelings often drive our decisions and our reactions and even our beliefs. And the culture's smart. They know they can get you all jazzed up about something. They've got you hook, line, and sinker. I don't care what news organization you hold your allegiance to. They got you. Hook, line, and sinker. They know what gets you going, and they're going to preach that 24-7. And it's for this reason, because we're driven by feelings, that, that people get so easily triggered about everything. The word triggered. That's new, isn't it? Triggered. Don't get me triggered. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to stay on script today. Anyway. But rather than take a deep breath and just rationalize a situation, we're so quick to respond to our feelings in the heat of the moment. The problem, of course, with being feelings-driven is that feelings, they deceive us, don't they? 
Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If we go, if we do life based upon how we feel, we're going to get ourselves in heaps of trouble. You know this. It's happened to you and to me. So we got to think of things like a train. I think there's a picture on the screen. So you got the engine, you got the middle cars, you got the caboose. And everything that's behind the engine is at the mercy of the engine. If feelings drive our lives, then we're going to go where our feelings go, which often leads to places that we don't want to be in. On the other hand, when faith drives our lives, we'll go where faith goes, regardless of how we feel. And in doing so, we'll find ourselves in a place of trust and assurance in the Lord. I've heard it said this way. The life of a believer should be driven by what we know to be true about God, which is the engine, which is backed by faith and trust in God, followed by feelings. Feelings will catch up eventually. And even if they don't, we can't trust them. Well, anyway, long way of saying this is where we find Moses. Because despite how Moses may have felt about the many hardships, he was telling Jethro about all the hardships and all the stuff they had to go through. Despite how he felt, his faith was still the driving factor of his life. And his faith propelled him to give God glory by telling Jethro truths about all that God had done for he and the Israelites. Pastor Dan just read this verse earlier. I have it on the screen again. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In his testimony to Jethro, Moses didn't forget where his help came from. Despite all the hardship he went through, he didn't forget where his help came from. He didn't allow his obstacles to overthrow his convictions. And as a result of his faithful testimony, listen to this, Jethro's faith was strengthened. Let's read on, verses 10 through 12. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hands of the Egyptians. And he says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, he brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Church, this is a great reminder. Listen, this is a great reminder that our testimony through trials is a great witness to those who don't know Jesus. When we share how God has been faithful to us in trials, it serves as a ministry to others who are in trials. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Why? He comforts us in our affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted, excuse me, comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, it's unclear whether or not Jethro was a believer in the Lord before this interaction with Moses. It's just a little unclear. Commentators are a little divided on that. However, it is crystal clear that he was certainly a believer afterwards, evidenced by his proclamation and worship to God. And friends, this is why it's so important to be driven by faith and not feelings. Because it can literally impact someone's life for eternity. So all this to say, conviction matters. Having your convictions, they matter. Convictions about the Lord. 
Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, it is faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the what? Conviction of things not seen. For it, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. Well, not only did Moses eventually receive commendation for his faith, but those around him were blessed by his faith as well. And as we'll soon see, Jethro was about to return the favor by blessing Moses with some much-needed advice. And this brings us to the fourth principle. We all need counsel. We all need counsel. Look at verses 13 through 18. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and the other, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not good. It's not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you, and you are not able to do it alone. You know, if you're fortunate enough, there's nothing more breathtaking than seeing a shooting star on a clear night sky. Have you guys seen a shooting star on a clear night sky before? It's nothing more breathtaking. Yet, did you ever consider what's actually happening with the shooting star itself. I mean, it's hard at work up there and shining its light and doing its thing. It's moving fast. It's illuminating the sky around it. And it's appealing. However, what we often don't think about is the shooting star is actually slowly burning out. It's slowly dying. In other words, it may look good on the outside, but the light on the inside is quickly fading to the point of burnout. Well, in some ways, this was true or was going to soon be true of Moses. He moved fast. He worked hard trying to meet the demands of all the people. In fact, from early morning to dark night, the Israelites would constantly bring their disputes for Moses to judge. However, if he kept up this pace or kept up the pace of this burden for too much longer, he's going to eventually reach the point of burnouts. So Jethro was concerned both for Moses' well-being and the well-being of the Israelites. Like, yo, this is not good for anybody. This is just not good. He recognized that Moses' go-it-alone leadership was not good. And so he offered him some wise counsel on how to fix the problem, verses 19 through 23. He said, now obey my voice. I've heard my father-in-law say that to me a couple of times, too. Anyway, now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. And if you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. 
the art of delegation. I've heard it said when you delegate task, tasks, you create followers. But when you delegate authority, you create leaders. Jezreel counseled Moses to delegate authority. And in doing so, Moses would have a team of leaders to bear the burden of ministry with him. It's a beautiful picture. Proverbs 11.14 says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. You see, by dele delegating authority to other God-honoring men, not only was Moses ensuring personal preservation in ministry, but he was also ensuring that the nation of Israel would persevere and grow stronger. Likewise, it enabled Moses to focus on his primary calling, which was to represent the people before the Lord and tell, him, tell them how to walk in the ways of the Lord. You might remember, we see something strikingly similar in the book of Acts. You might remember that in the early days of the church, there was this important task of distributing uh, food to widows, and it was being neglected, and the apostles were the ones picking up the slack. However, the apostles quickly realized that, man, if we keep up with this pace, it's going to negatively impact the overall ministry of the church. We need help. And so they delegated authority. Look at Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. It's on the screen. It says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. See, they weren't saying that they, they were beneath the task of serving tables. They're just like, God's called us to preach and teach the word. We need help. And not just any help. Find people that are full of the spirit, that are godly, to take over this task. Because it was important. A few months ago, I attended a, a prayer conference near Houston, Texas. Actually, I actually had my little, what's this called? Rubber band thing <laughs> with words on it. Bracelet, that's what it is. Uh, is this a bracelet? Seems kind of weird to call it a bracelet. Anyway, where am I going? So anyway, at this conference, they had a tagline. And this tagline was actually based upon this passage. The tagline was 6-3 plus 6-4 equals 6-7. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 plus 6-4 equals 6-7. Just a neat little tagline. But in other, in other words, uh, when the church did their job and the apostles did their job, God did his job. Because look at what Acts 6-7 says. As a result of delegation and everybody doing their part, it says in 6-7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the point is, when we all work together, especially when we work in the areas of our gifting, everyone benefits, and the church is blessed. Moses needed to hear and apply this similar counsel if he and the Israelites were to make it the long haul. He couldn't do it alone. Friends, I would say it'd be wise for our church to apply this same counsel if we're going to make it the long haul. Because the church is always better when we work together. And this leads us to the fifth principle. We all need cooperation. Cooperation. Let's, let's close out this chapter, verses 24 through 27. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able-bodied men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. 
Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. And then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. You know, I'm no brain surgeon, but I do know that the personnel in the operating room are key to the outcome of any surgery. Mary Beth, she's our resident doctor here. You're right. I'm right. Mary Beth, am I right? Got to have the right people in the OR. Violinist, Mary Beth. We talked about her earlier. She made it in the sermon today. Anyway, in any given OR, you have a surgeon, an anesthesiologist, a scrub tech, circulating tech, nurses, even students. And all of them play a vital role in the success or failure of an operation and patient care. And if everyone performs their appointed duties, then everything will work out just fine. However, if anyone fails to perform their duties, the whole team's going to suffer, and the success of the surgery and patient care is going to be compromised. The same could be said about the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So we can help each other. The Bible teaches that every single believer has been given a gift by the Holy Spirit to be used for the edification of the church. And when everyone uses their gift, then the church is going to benefit. However, when anyone chooses not to use their gifts, the church suffers. Sometimes we'll feel that suffering, sometimes we won't. And if the church doesn't suffer, then the church definitely misses out when not everyone uses their gifts. Either way, it's no bueno. Well, in these last few verses, we get a picture of what it looks like for God's people to work in cooperation with one another for the advancement of God's agenda. Moses took Jethro's advice, and he appointed leaders over God's people. And as those leaders performed their appointed task, it freed up Moses and enabled him to perform his primary task. Not to mention, it shortened up the waiting line for the Israelites. Can you imagine all two million Israelites every single day bringing their disputes to one dude? You think you've got problems in the waiting room. You see, the art of delegation created a classic win-win-win situation for everybody. So church, the lesson for us is clear. As the old song says, we're talking about a lot of old songs today, but we get by with a little help from our friends. Moses learned that when we have people in our lives to help bear the burdens of life, life becomes much less of a burden. This is, at least in part, why God gave us the church. To shoulder the burdens of life and ministry with one another. And so all this to say, if you're here this morning carrying a burden, whether it be the burden of ministry, the burden of work, the burden of a personal hurt, the burden of guilt, the burden of loss, the burden of anxiety or depression, the burden of relationships, the burden of sin. Whatever burden it might be, I want to encourage you, don't bear it alone. We all need somebody to lean on, and God has given us each other to do that very thing. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens, and so in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And this brings us back to today's truth to remember. God gave us one another to help one another. I just want to close with this one last thought. Even though God has given us one another to to help one another, let's not forget that the first go-to person 
for your burden, for my burden, needs to be Jesus. Always got to be Jesus. It starts with Jesus. The church is imperfect. We might fail. We will fail. Jesus will never fail. And he and he alone promises to give rest to your weary soul. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, come to me all. One, interesting, all the Israelites came to Moses, right? He couldn't, he couldn't handle the task. He thought he could handle the task. He couldn't handle the task. But Jesus can. He says, everyone, you come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. In fact, perhaps the, the first burden that you need to give over to Jesus this morning is the burden of sin. You see, the Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as a result of our sin, our relationship with God is broken. And unless that relationship is restored, when we die, we must go to a place of punishment for eternity. And the Bible calls this place hell. And we sang about it earlier. See, we have to go there because God is holy. He's a holy God. He can't have anything to do with sin. But the good news is that 2,000 years ago, God, in his great love for us, became a man in Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, taking the burden of our sins upon himself. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he provided the way to receive forgiveness for our sins, be saved, and receive eternal life. And so if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then as it stands right now, the burden of sin will break you for eternity. It's going to break you. It's just a matter of time. But that can all change this morning. That can all change. By admitting that you're a sinner, repenting, which means changing your mind about your sin and about who Jesus is. And trusting in him and him alone for eternal life. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Done deal. Stop doubting. You've got it if you're a believer. You have it. But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, friend, once you believe in Jesus, then you can place all your burdens on him. But it all begins with belief. And so if you'd like to receive Christ this morning, or you'd like more information on what it means to receive Christ this morning, you can mark that on your connect slip, put it in the, in the basket on your way out. You can come forward after the closing song. You can grab an information packet up front here that tells you some more information about being a follower of Jesus. You can come speak to me directly. It would be my joy to assist you. And for everyone else, as we've seen today, Jesus also provided the church body as a means of encouragement as well. And so if you're here today just needing help with any other burden that you've been carrying on your own, I want to encourage you to write that burden on your connect slip so we could be praying over you. Or better yet, you can come forward after the closing song. We're going to have a few members of our prayers team, prayer team. I'm going to invite them to come forward after our closing song. They'll be here. They can pray over, over you right here, right now. Just come forward and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. They're not going to offer you counsel. They're not going to do anything weird. Just say, let me pray for, pray for you. If, you. if you just need some prayer this morning, they'll be here waiting. And trust me, you'll be glad you did. So this time, I'd like to invite the praise team to come forward. And I will pray for you, and we'll close with a song. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word being living and active. And thank you, Lord, that we can learn so much from an Old Testament account written thousands and thousands of years ago, yet it still applies to us today. There is so much wisdom in your word, and we are so grateful for it. 
But Lord, the, the, the overarching thought here is we're not meant to, to go at alone. We're not meant to do life, to bear the burdens of life and ministry alone. We all need somebody. And we're thankful that you've given yourself as the ultimate person to come to for those of us who are weary and burdened today. And we're also thankful for the gift of the church body that we have some flesh and blood right next to us, God, that we could help uh, bear those burdens as well. And so, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here that does not know you as Savior, I pray that they would release that burden of sin over to you and trust you as their Lord and Savior. God, if there's someone here this morning that just needs prayer over a burden that they've been carrying, I pray that they would come forward after the service and pray with our team up front. But God, we are so thankful that even when we feel lonely, we are not alone because you are with us. Thank you for that reminder this morning. And all God's people said, Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.